Thank you. Happy New Year. I said, uh, thank you for being well. It's our greeting. Your response to that is, washat dogus. It means, yes, it's true. <laughs> and I said that I'm a wolf. It's my family, my clan. Major identity for Indian nations and people. The <clears throat> discussions that have been going on here by the pioneers and the speakers and people included and all of you is, um, is vital, it's important, it's fundamental. When I was coming here the other day, approaching uh, Marin Center, I saw the people from a distance, and I recognized them immediately. And I said, the hippies and the Indians are coming back together again. <laughs> Those were great days, and we had good times. Thank you to the pioneers for, for doing this year after year, spirit and will to do it. It's great, great to be back. So I thought, well, since time is always short, get your first priority out there. Say the first thing that needs to be done. So uh, I say, the first message is that we have to put our, our minds together, our hearts, our minds together, and vote this administration out and down the road. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. And we can do it. You got time. You have to use your minds and you have to think, how are we going to coalesce on this? Let's not get into any spitting matches between ourselves. Let's put our agendas aside and get somebody in there. I think we can all agree that another four years of this administration will be unthinkable. And so uh, the opportunity is there. The administration is vulnerable in many, many areas, but I think one of the most important areas that there is is the area of environment. It's going to come and go, ebb and flow, with this idea of Iraq and the fighting and the, the dying and the mismanagement and all of that. But the environment, that is on its way. The problems are severe. And I think we should uh, sharpen our position. They finally got the Indians to vote, so we might as well kick his ass. You know? <laughs> That's the first message. 
talk about democracy and what is democracy. The history in this, this country of democracy, Western democracy, I'll call it, is uh, very old, and our people have been involved in this discussion from the beginning. From the first meeting that we made in, with the Dutch in 1613, the Turo Wampum Belt, which established our style of interaction and relationship. And at that time, we said that you have a canoe, or we have a canoe, and you have a boat. And in your boat, you have many religions, many colors of people, and ways of life. We said, in our canoe, we have simple life. We have, uh, you might call a hard life, but life that we, we like. And in our canoe is our people, our government, our way of life. We'll, we'll connect our two boats, our ships, our two vessels, with what we call the covenant chain of peace. And they'll be made of three links. The first link is peace. The second link is equity. And the third link is how long will it last? And we said that when we make this agreement, it should last as long as the sun rises in the east, sets in the west, as long as the rivers run downhill, and as long as the grass grows green. Which there are some contradictions already, but, <laughs> but still and all, the sun is still rising, setting. And so we made this agreement this covenant chain, and we hooked our two vessels together, and we said, we're going to float down Kiswenta, the great river of life, side by side, in peace and friendship, for as long as we exist. That was the essence of our, our agreement in the beginning. And at that time, the people who were talking said, well, what will happen if, uh, if some of our people want to get into your canoe or some of your people want to get into our boat? And the people at that time, the leaders at that time, said, that's going to happen. But mostly it will be our people getting into your boat because our life is hard and because it's, it's not something that your people are used to. You probably will be a few people in our boat, but many of our people in your boat. But they said, that won't be the issue. The issue will be those that have one foot in a canoe and one foot in a boat. That's not a good place to be. And they said, sometime in the future, a great wind will come and it'll blow the vessels apart, and those that are there will fall into this river of life, and no one will be able to help them on this side of the creation. And I was glad to hear Kenny talk about the creation, because that's our belief. Indian nations believe in the creation. We believe in a higher power. We believe in a great authority. We believe in the, the way that we're, we're hooked together, the way that we, we are intertwined, the way that we, we live with one another. All of this, one being. And so uh, that's what we've been gauging all of our agreements with down through the centuries. 
first the two row. And many nations have held that. Then the English landed in uh, Cape Cod. The Englishmen landed there in about 1620, although there were many people back and forth, but they were coming for real on this one. And, uh, and we watched them. And several hundred years later, in 1776, they declared themselves Americans, and they said that they no longer had allegiance to their father, the King of England, that they were separate, that they were sovereign, that they were independent. And the question arises is how did they make this transition? How did they come from an Englishman to an American? Because in 1750 or 1776 or 1700, an American was an Indian. Everybody else was what they were. So they said they were Americans. And they made this transition through hundreds and hundreds of meetings that we held up and down the coast, inside and always over land, always over problems. And, and we knew them very well, and they knew our leaders very well. We spent a lot of time in Philadelphia and in New York and in Albany. And so the idea of being free, the idea of being independent was everywhere they looked. And they liked it, and they became like us. All of those people that were out there on the frontiers, as soon as more people came, they moved, just like the Indians did. It's getting crowded. They didn't like being crowded. They didn't like towns. They wanted to be in the woods. And so, at one point, at a meeting in Lancaster, Pennsylvania in 1744, when the, several of the governors were arguing amongst themselves, one of the Onondaga leaders stood up and said to them, you know, you're never going to amount to anything until you quit fighting with one another. They said, why don't you make a union? Why don't you make a league like our great League of Peace? And began the instruction at that time. Those notes were taken to Philadelphia and were printed. And the printer was none other than Ben Franklin. And he read those notes. And he said, that's a good idea. Make some common sense here. And so in 1754, he called the Albany Plan of Union to create this league of peace, like the Indians, like the Haudenosaunee, whom the French called Iroquois. And so they had the meeting, and there was a spy for the king there, and sent word back to England and said, King, you better be careful. They're talking about government by the people here. So they knew what it was about. In 1775, they met again, and they asked us to join them in a battle coming. And our chief said, we know your father, and we have a lot of agreements, treaties with your father. And we know you. We also have agreements and treaties with you. We think that this is a battle between father and son. Best we stay out. The Six Nations at that time was trying to stay neutral because it was a fierce fight coming and it was going to rage over our lands. So we were caught in the middle of this 
great, great battle. But when the Continental Congress joined itself, they called themselves the 13 Fires. They used all of our terms. They had a grand council, they called themselves. And so, and they used wampum the way we did, because they learned over these hundreds of years. And the first agreement that we had with the new Continental Congress was 1776 at Fort Pitt, and they made a treaty belt. The Continental Congress made a wampum treaty belt, and they sent it to bring neutrality over the coming conflict. And they said to us, we agree with your position, and we agree with your second position, they said, because if you weren't going to fight with us, then don't fight against us. But actually, in the event itself, Mohawks fought heavily on the side of the English. Oneidas, Tuscaroras fought heavily on the side of the colonies. And in fact, it was the Oneidas carrying 300 bushels of corn down to Valley Forge when the troops were starving that kept them alive. And it takes a lot to cook corn. You can't cook corn in one hour. It takes about six hours to make corn soup. And so the Indians had to fight the troops while they cooked for them, because you can't eat raw corn, you know. A thousand years ago, in coming to our lands, long before the white man, when we were fighting amongst ourselves, great peacemaker came in a great epic story about how he came among our nations and how he brought peace. Some say it took him 100 years to do that. But eventually, on the shores of Onondaga, he had the 50 original leaders of the original five nations, the Mohawks, the Oneidas, the Onondagas, the Cayugas, and the Senecas. They finally were sitting in a group in a peaceful manner, and then he laid down the laws. He laid down our Confederacy Constitution. And he said, I'm going to base this Constitution on the first principle, which is peace. The second principle, which is equity for the people. And the third principle, which is the power of the good minds. Those are the principles, and they're dual principles. When I greeted you, I said, Nyawahaskano. Scano is the same word for peace. So health and peace are the same thing. You can't have peace without health. And I've been listening to the discussion about health here. And of course it's a problem. And so he said, Scano, peace. Equity for the people. Be fair. Be fair to the people. Can't have justice without equity. Justice comes with equity, dual principle. And then he said, the power of the good minds, the council of chiefs, and the people themselves, the good minds. And he was talking about unity, which is what we're talking about now, to be united, to be of one mind. And when you do that, you have great power, great strength. And this is what Kanesitago was talking to the Virginia governors and Pennsylvania governor and New York governor about 
working together, unity. And that's what we're going to do now. We're, we're thinking now, how are we going to unite? How are we going to do this together? And comes great power from that. So the discussion resonates. When he talked to the leaders, he said to the leaders, first he said, how shall you know your nation? He said, you shall know your nation through the women. He said, they will be carrying the line. He said, because the earth is female, the women will be working with the earth. And the earth will belong to them. So when a, a girl was born, you had a landholder. And when a boy was born, you had a lacrosse player. <laughs> and good singer, good dancer. And maybe he'll even be a chief one day. But he gave a great deal of responsibility to the women. He made them the clan mothers, and with them they had to choose all the leaders. So he gave us a process of raising leaders that did not involve politics. And so at the end of the day, you got a leader, not a politician. <laughs> It's a very extensive process to hold a title to the Haudenosaunee. First, the clan mother will choose from her clan or a related clan the leader that she wants, and that has to be agreed upon by consensus by the clan. If they don't agree, she's got to find somebody else. So it's the clan that is agreeable, but it's her choice. If they agree, then she takes the choice to the, to the chief's council. They also have the right of veto. If they don't agree, she's got to start again. But if they do agree, now you have a real candidate for this title, which was the original person at that original time with a peacemaker. So the titles we hold are the names of those original 50 chiefs. The office, it's an office. And each has a deputy. You have a clan mother, a chief, a sub-chief, a partner. And you have a faith keeper, male, faith keeper, female, and they look after the welfare of the clan itself. And so, but choosing the leader, now we will send a messenger to the other house, which is the younger brothers, the Cayugas, the Oneidas, and the Tuscaroras. And they will accept a message and they will say, good news, we'll get ready. And because our side is in mourning, we have a chief down, they will do all the work. And then they will send us a runner, and they say, this is a time, this is a place where we will raise the new leader. And so then we send runners to all the Six Nations announcing that news, and we gather at that appointed time. And that appointed time, then, the two houses judge this man again. And then when they're finished, then, the speaker, which will take all day. This is a big, big, big affair. And we hear all the, the laws, we hear all of that. And so um, at the end of the day, we, uh, we will bring forth the candidate. And if he passes all of this examination on his own merit as a human being, and it's simply to be a man of good health, courage, family man, um, responsible, honest, 
Oh, if he's accepted, then they'll all agree. But then they turn to the people and they say, does anyone here know a reason why this man should not be here? And the final word is the people. That's democracy in its full form. And I know nations across this great Turtle Island raise their leaders the same way. They're chosen by the people, and they're there by the will of the people, and when they don't perform, the will of the people will remove them. And that's what you've got to do now. And so, I'll say one more, one more thing in a short time, but I've been traveling. I've been putting most of my effort on on global warming because of the dangers that are coming and most people not aware of them and don't really realize how serious it is. They, uh, the Gulf Stream, Atlantic Ocean is slowing down and the University of Bergen sent a report in 2001 that said if it continues to slow down at the pace it's slowing, it'll stop in 15 years. And so if it does, well then, we're going to deal with it. And what will happen? Well. You'll um, force the issue of a uh, global climate change. You'll have an uh, ice age. So I asked the scientists, I said, what's that mean? They said, well, it'll start snowing 24 hours a day for 100 years. It's, we're pushing a dimmer switch, raising the light, raising the power, the power, the power. When you come to the end of the dimmer switch, you want to give it one more push more energy, then it becomes a switch, and it goes from hot to cold, because the Earth takes care of itself. It will cool itself, and that's what's an ice age. We're just pushing the bubble very hard. So I want you to keep that in your mind, because this administration is not letting you know that, and this administration does not want you to be working in those areas, but if you're really concerned, we can do it. And so let's put our minds together as one. And let's get something from here. And next year, when we come back again, let's have a report and a good one. Yeah. Uh, thank you.